Chapter 2 of Heidi. Who remembers what happened last in Heidi? I remember she was left at Uncle Alice. That's right. Daddy took her up the mountain. Little girls, are you paying attention? Mm-hmm. Daddy took Heidi up the mountain and left her with her Uncle Al, who's a little bit grumpy, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Are you listening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear talking over there. Chapter 2. At grandfather's. As soon as Daddy had disappeared, the old man sat down again on the bench. He stared at the ground in silence, blowing great clouds of smoke from his pipe, while Heidi explored her new surroundings with delight. She went up to the goat stall, which was built on the side of the hut, and found it empty. Then she went round to the back and stood for a while listening to the noise the wind made whistling through the branches of the old fir trees. Presently it died down, and she came back to the front of the hut, where she found her grandfather still sitting in the same position. As she stood watching him, hands behind her back, he looked up and said, What do you want to do now? I want to see what is inside the hut, she answered. Come on then, he said and he got up and led the way indoors. Bring the bundle of clothes in with you, he added. I shan't want them any more, she declared. The old man turned and looked sharply at her. He saw her black eyes shining with anticipation. She's no fool, he muttered to himself, then added aloud, why is that? I want to be able to run about like the goats do. Well, so you can said her grandfather. But bring the things inside all the same. They can go in the cupboard. Heidi picked up the bundle and followed the old man into a biggish room, which was the whole extent of his living quarters. She saw a table and a chair and his bed over over in one corner. Opposite that was the stove over which a big pot was hanging. There was a door in one wall which the old man opened, and she saw it was a large cupboard with his clothes hanging in it. There were shelves in it, too. One held his shirt, socks, and handkerchiefs. Another, plates, cups, and glasses, while on the top, one were a round loaf, some smoked meat, and some cheese. Here, in fact, were all the old man's possessions. Heidi went inside, the open cupboard, and pushed her bundle right away to the back so that it would not be easily seen again. Where shall I sleep, grandfather? she asked next. Where you like, he replied. The answer pleased Heidi, and as she was looking round the room for a good place, she noticed a ladder propped against the wall near her grandfather's bed. She climbed up it at once and found herself in a hayloft. A pile of fresh, sweet-smelling hay lay there and there was a round hole in the wall of the loft through which she could see down the valley. I shall sleep up here, she called down. It's a splendid place. Just come and see, Grandfather. I know it well, he called back. I'm going to make my bed now, she went on, but you'll have to come up and bring me a sheet to lie on. All right, said her Grandfather. 
and he went to the cupboard and searched among his belongings until he found a piece of coarse cloth which he carried up to her. He found she had already made herself a sort of mattress and pillow of the hay and had placed them so that she would be able to look through the hole in the wall when she was in the bed. That's right, said the old man, but it needs to be thicker than that. And he spread a lot more hay over hers so that she would not feel the hard floor through it. The thick cloth which he had brought for a sheet was so heavy that she could hardly lift it by herself, but its thickness made it a good protection against the prickly haystalks. Together they spread it out, and Heidi tucked the ends under her mattress to make it all neat and comfortable. Then she looked at her bed thoughtfully for a moment and said, We've forgotten something, Grandfather. What's that? he asked. A blanket to cover it, so that I can creep under it when I go to bed. That's what you think, is it? I suppose I haven't got one. Oh, well then, it doesn't matter, said Heidi. I can easily cover myself with hay. And she was just going to fetch some more when her grandfather stopped her. Wait a bit, he said. And he went down the ladder and took from his own bed a great sack made of heavy linen, which he brought up to the loft. There, isn't that better than hay, he asked, as they put it over the bed. Heidi was delighted with the result. That's a wonderful blanket, and my whole bed is lovely. I wish it was bedtime now so that I could get in it. I think we might have something to eat first, don't you? said her grandfather. Heidi had forgotten everything else in her excitement over the bed, but at the mention of food she realized how hungry she was, as she had eaten nothing all day except a piece of bread and a cup of weak coffee before setting out on her long journey. So she replied eagerly, Oh, yes. Well then, if we are agreed, let us go down and see about a meal. And he followed Heidi down the ladder. He went to the stove, lifted the big pot off the chain, and put a smaller one in its place, then sat himself down on a three-legged stool and blew up the fire with the bellows till it was red and glowing. As the pot began to sing, he put a large piece of cheese on a toasting fork and moved it to and fro in front of the fire until it became golden yellow all over. At first Heidi just stood and watched with great interest, and then she thought of something else and ran to the cupboard. When her grandfather brought the steaming pot and the toasted cheese to the table, he found it was laid with two plates, two knives, and the round loaf. Heidi had noticed these things in the cupboard and knew that they would be needed for the meal. I'm glad to see that you can think things out for yourself, he said, but there is something missing. Heidi looked at the steaming pot and went back to the cupboard. She could see one mug there and two glasses, so she took the mug and one of the glasses and put them on the table. That's right. You know how to be helpful, said her grandfather. Now where are you going to sit? He himself was in the only chair, so Heidi fetched the three-legged stool and sat down on that. You've got a seat all right, but rather a low one, and even with my chair, you would not be high enough to reach the table. So saying, the old man got up and pushed his chair in front of Heidi's stool and put the mug filled with milk on it and a plate on which there was a slice of bread covered with the golden toasted cheese. Now, you have a table to yourself and can start to eat, he said. 
Then he perched himself on a corner of the big table and began his own meal. Heidi took up the mug and drained it thirstily. After that, she drew a deep breath, for she had been too busy drinking to breathe, and set the empty mug down. Is the milk good? asked her grandfather. The best I've ever drunk, replied Heidi. You must have some more then. And he refilled her mug. She ate her bread and cheese, which tasted delicious, and every now and then she took a drink. She looked as happy and as contented as anyone could be. After the meal, her grandfather went to the goat stall, and Heidi watched him sweep the floor with a broom and then put down fresh straw for the animals to sleep on. When that job was done, he went into the shed, which was built onto the side of the hut, and sawed off several round sticks of wood. Then he bored holes to fit them in a strong, flat piece of board, and when he had fitted them all together, the result was a high chair. Heidi watched him, silent in her amazement. Do you know what this is? he asked when he had finished. It's a chair, especially for me, she said wonderingly. And how quickly you made it. She's got eyes in her head and knows how to use them, thought the old man. Next, he busied himself with some small repairs in the hut, driving in a nail here and there, tightening a screw in the door, and so on. Heidi followed at his heels, watching him with the closest attention, for everything was new and interesting to her. Thus the afternoon passed. A strong wind sprang up again, whistling and rushing through the fir trees. The sound pleased Heidi so much that she began dancing and jumping about, and her grandfather stood watching her from the door of the shed. Suddenly there was a shrill whistle, and Peter appeared in the midst of his herd of goats. Heidi gave a cry of delight and rushed to meet, greet her friends of the morning. As the goats reached the hut, they all stood still except for two graceful animals, one brown and one white, which detached themselves from the others and went up to the old man. Then they began to lick his hands, for he was holding a little salt in them, as he did every evening to welcome them home. Peter went away with the rest of the herd, and Heidi ran to the two goats and began to pat them gently. Are these ours, grandfather, she asked. Both of them? Do they go into the stall? Will they always be here with us? Her questions followed so closely on each other that her grandfather could hardly get an answer in edgewise. When the goats had finished the salt, the old man said, Now go and fetch your mug and the bread. She obeyed and was back in a flash. And then he gave her milk, and, and then he filled her mug with milk from the white goat and gave, her, <clears throat> and gave it to her with a slice of bread. Eat that, and then go to bed, he said. If you want a nightdress or anything like that, you'll find it in the bundle your aunt brought. Now, I must see to the goats. Sleep well. Good night, grandfather, she called as he walked off with the animals. Then she ran after them to ask what the goats' names were. The white one is called Daisy, and the brown one, Dusky, replied her grandfather. Good night, Daisy. Good night, Dusky, called Heidi after the goats, who had disappeared into their stall. She ate her supper on the bench outside the hut. The wind was so strong it almost blew her away, so she finished her bread and her milk quickly and went indoors and up to bed. There she was soon sleeping as soundly as if she were tucked up in the finest bed in the world.
Her grandfather went to bed also before it was dark, for he always got up with the sun, and that came over the mountain tops very early in the summer. During the night, the wind blew so hard that it shook the whole hut and made its beams creak. It shrieked down the chimney and brought one or two of the old fir tree's branches crashing down. So after a while, the old man got up thinking the child may be frightened. He climbed up the ladder and went over to the bed. Just then the moon, which had been covered by scudding clouds, shone straight through the hole in the wall onto Heidi's face. She was fast asleep under her heavy coverlet, one rosy cheek resting on her chubby little arm, and with such a happy expression on her face that she must surely have been dreaming of pleasant things. She stood looking down, he stood looking down at her, till clouds covered the moon again, darkening the room. Then he went back to bed. All right, chapter three, A Day with the Goats. Heidi was awakened next morning by a shrill whistle, and as she opened her eyes, a beam of sunlight came through the hole in the wall, making the hay shine like gold. At first she could not think where she was. Then she remembered her grandfather's deep voice, or then she heard her grandfather's deep voice outside, and remembered joyfully that she had come to live in the mountains. She had been glad to leave old Ursula, who was very deaf, and felt the cold so much that she sat all day by the kitchen fire or the living room stove. Heidi had to stay indoors, where the old woman could see her, though she often longed to run outside and play. Now she jumped out of bed full of excitement at all the new experiences awaiting her. She dressed herself as quickly as possible, then climbed down the ladder and hurried outside. Peter was waiting there with his herd, and her grandfather was just bringing Daisy and Dusky from their stall. She went to say good morning to them all. Do you want to go up to the pasture with Peter? asked the old man. This idea clearly delighted her. You must have a wash first, or the sun will laugh to see you look so black. He pointed to a tub full of water, standing in the sun beside the door, and Heidi went over to it at once and began to splash about. Uncle Alf went indoors, calling to Peter. Come here, General of the Goats, and bring your knapsack with you. Peter held out the little bag which contained his meager lunch and watched with big eyes as the old man put in a piece of bread and a piece of cheese, both twice as big as his own. Take this mug, too, and fill it for her twice at dinner time. She doesn't know how to drink straight from the goats as you do. She'll stay with you all day. Mind you look after her, and see she doesn't fall down in the ravine. Heidi came running in. The sun can't laugh at me now, she said. Her grandfather smilingly agreed. In her desire to please the sun, she had rubbed her face with the hard towel until she looked like a boiled lobster. When you come home tonight, you'll have to go right inside the tub like a fish, or you'll get black feet from running about with the goats. Now off you go. It was a very beautiful morning. It was very beautiful on the mountain that morning. The night wind had blown all the clouds away and the sky was deep blue. The sun shone brilliantly on the green pasture land and on the flowers which were blooming everywhere. 
There were primroses, blue gentian, and dainty yellow rock roses. Heidi rushed to and fro, wild with excitement at the sight of them. She quite forgot Peter and the goats and kept stopping to gather flowers and put them in her apron. She wanted to take them home to stick among the hay in her bedroom to make it look like a meadow. Peter needed eyes all around his head. It was more than one pair could do to keep watch on Heidi as well as the goats, for they too were running about in all directions. He had to whistle and shout, swing his stick in the air to bring the wandering animals together. Where have you got to now, Heidi? He called once, rather crossly. Here came her voice from behind a little hillock some distance back. It was covered with primulas, which had a most delicious scent. Heidi had never smelt anything so lovely before and had, set, and had sat down among them to enjoy it to the full. Come on, called Peter. Uncle said I wasn't to let you fall over the ravine. Where's that, she called without moving. Right up above. We've still a long way to go, so do come on. Hear the old hawk croaking away up there? Heidi jumped up at this last remark and ran to him with her apron full of flowers. You've got enough now, he said, as they started to climb again. Don't pick any more, otherwise you'll always be lagging behind. And besides, if you keep on, there won't be any left for tomorrow. Heidi saw the sense of this, and anyway, her apron was almost full. She kept close to Peter after that, and the goats went on in a more orderly fashion, too, for now they could smell the fragrant herbs that they loved, which grew on their grazing ground, and they were anxious to reach them. Peter usually took up his quarters for the day at the very foot of a rocky mountain peak. On the steep slopes above, there were only a few bushes and stunted fir trees, and the summit itself was just bare rock. On one side was the sheer drop over the ravine, which Uncle Alp had spoken of. When they reached this place, Peter took off his knapsack, laid it for safety in a little hollow, for there were sometimes strong gusts of wind, and he had no wish to see his precious food go bowling down the mountain. Then he lay down in the sun to rest after a strenuous climb. Heidi put her apron full of flowers in the same little hollow. Then she sat down beside Peter and looked around her. The valley below was bathed in sunlight. In front of them, a snow-clad mountain stood out against the blue sky. To the left of this was a huge mass of rock with jagged twin peaks. Everything was very still. Only a gentle breeze set the blue and yellow flowers nodding on their slender stems. Peter fell asleep, and the goats climbed about among the bushes. Heidi sat quite still, enjoying it all. She gazed so intently at the mountain peaks that soon they seemed to her to have faces and to be looking at her like old friends. Suddenly she heard a loud noise. Looking up, she saw an enormous bird circling overhead with outstretched wings <coughs> and croaking harshly as it flew. <coughs> Peter, Peter, wake up, she cried. Here's the hawk. Peter sat up and together they watched as the great bird soared higher and higher into the sky and finally disappeared over the gray peaks. Where's it gone to? asked Heidi, who had never seen a bird as big as that before and had watched its flight with great interest. Home to its nest, replied Peter. Does it live right up here? How wonderful! 
Why does it make such a noise? Because it has to, explained Peter briefly. Let's climb up and see where it lives, she proposed. Oh, no, we won't. Even the goats can't climb as high as that. And don't forget, Uncle Alp told me to look after you, he said with marked disapproval. To Heidi's surprise, he then began whistling and shouting. But the goats recognized the familiar sounds and came towards him from all directions, though some lingered to nibble a tasty blade of grass, while others butted one another playfully. Heidi jumped up and ran among them, delighted to see them so obviously enjoying, them, enjoying themselves. She spoke to each one, and everyone was different and easily distinguishable from the others. Meanwhile, Peter opened his bag and spread its contents out in a square on the ground. Two large portions for Heidi and two smaller ones for himself. Then he filled the mug with milk from Daisy and placed it in the middle of the square. He called to Heidi, but she was slower to come than the goats had been. She was so busy with her new playmates that she had ears and eyes for nothing else. He went on calling till his voice re-echoed from the rocks, and at last she appeared. When she saw the meal laid out so invitingly, she skipped up and down with pleasure. Stop jigging about, said Peter. It's dinner time. Sit down and begin. Is the milk for me? Yes, and those huge pieces of bread and cheese. I'll get you another mug full of Daisy when you drunk that one. Then I'll have a drink myself. Where will you get yours from, she inquired. From my own goat, Spot. Now start eating. She drank the milk, but ate only a small piece of bread and passed the rest over to Peter with the cheese. You can have that, she said. I've had enough. He looked at her with amazement, for he had never in his life had any food to give away. At first he hesitated, thinking she must be joking, but she went on holding it out to him and finally put it on his knee. This convinced him that she really meant what she said, so he took it, nodded his thanks, and settled down to enjoy the feast. Heidi, meanwhile, sat watching the goats. What are they all called, Peter? she asked presently. Peter did not know a great deal, but this was a question he could answer without difficulty. He told her all their names, pointing out each animal in turn. She listened attentively and soon knew one from the other. Each had little tricks by which it could easily be recognized by anyone looking at them closely, as she was doing. Big Turk had strong horns and was always trying to butt the others, so they kept out of his way as much as possible. The only one to answer him back was a frisky little kid called Finch with sharp little horns, and Turk was generally too astonished at such impudence to make a fight of it. Heidi was particularly attracted to a little white goat called Snowflake, which was bleeding most pitifully. She had tried earlier to comfort it. Now she ran up to it again and put her arm around its neck and asked it fondly, What's the matter, Snowflake? Why are you crying? At that, the goat nestled against her and stopped bleeding. Peter had not yet finished his meal, but he called out between mouthfuls, She's crying because her mother doesn't come up here anymore. She's been sold to someone in Mainfeld. Well, where's her grandmother, then? Hasn't got one. Or her grandfather? Hasn't one. <gasps> Poor Snowflake, said Heidi, hugging the little animal again. Don't cry any more. I shall be up here every day now 
and you can always come to me if you feel lonely. Snowflake rubbed her head on the little girl's shoulder and seemed to be comforted. Peter had now finished eating and came up to Heidi, who was making fresh discoveries all the time. She noticed that Daisy and Dusky seemed more independent than the other goats and carried themselves with a sort of dignity. They led, they led the way as the herd went up to the bushes again. Some of them stopped here and there to sample a tasty herb. Others went straight up, leaping over any small obstacles in their path. Turk was up to his usual tricks again, but Daisy and Dusky ignored him completely and were soon nibbling daintily at the leaves of the two thickest bushes. Heidi watched them for some time. Then she turned to Peter, who was lying full length on the grass. Daisy and Dusky are the prettiest of all the goats, she said. I know, that's uncle. He keeps them very clean and gives them salt, and he has a fine stall for them, he replied. Then he suddenly jumped up and ran after his herd, with Heidi close behind, anxious not to miss anything. He had noticed that the inquisitive little finch was right at the edge of the ravine, where the ground fell away so steeply that if it went any farther, it might go over and would certainly break its legs. Peter stretched out his hands to catch hold of the little kid, but he slipped and fell, though he managed to grasp one of its legs, and Finch, highly indignant at such treatment, struggled wildly to get away. Heidi, come here, called Peter. Come and help. He couldn't get up unless he let go of Finch's leg, which he was already nearly pulling out of its socket. Heidi saw at once what to do and pulled up a handful of grass, which she held under Finch's nose. Come on, don't be silly, she said. You don't want to fall down there and hurt yourself. At that, the little goat turned round and ate the grass from her hand, and Peter was able to get up. He took hold of the cord on which a little bell was hung round Finch's neck. Heidi took hold of it, too, on the other side, and together they brought the runaway safely back to the herd. Then Peter took up his stick and gave it a good beating, and seeing what was coming, Finch tried to get out of the way. Don't beat him, pleaded Heidi. See how frightened he is. He deserves it, Peter replied, raising his arm. But she caught hold of him and exclaimed, No, you're not to. It will hurt him. Leave him alone. She looked at him so fiercely that he was astonished and dropped his stick. I won't beat him if you'll give me some of your cheese again tomorrow, he said, feeling that he ought to have some compensation after the fright the little goat had given him. You can have it all tomorrow and every day, promised Heidi. I shan't want it, and I'll give you some of my bread as well. But then you must never beat Finch or Snowflake or any of them. It's all the same to me, said Peter which was his way of saying that he promised. He let Finch go, and it bounded back to the herd. It was getting late, and the setting sun spread a wonderful golden glow over the grass and the flowers, and the high peaks shone and sparkled. Heidi sat for a while, enjoying, quietly enjoying the beautiful scene. Then all at once, she jumped up, crying, Peter! Peter, a fire, a fire, the mountains are on fire, and the snow and the sky, too. Look, the trees and the rocks are all burning. Even up there by the hawk's nest, everything is on fire. It's always like this in the evening, Peter said calmly, whittling away at his stick. It's not a fire. What is it then, she cried, rushing about, 
to look at the wonderful sight from all sides. What is it, Peter? It just happens, he said. Oh, just see, the mountains have got all rosy and red. Look at the one with the snow on it. That one with the big rocks at the top. What are their names, Peter? Mountains don't have names, he answered. Oh, how pretty the rosy snow looks and the red rocks. Oh, dear, she added after a pause. Now the color's going and everything's turning gray. Oh, it's all over. She sat down looking as upset as if it was indeed the end of everything. It'll be the same tomorrow, explained Peter. Now it's time to go home. He whistled and called the goats together and they started their journey downward. Is it always like this up here? Asked Heidi, hopefully. Usually. Will it really be the same tomorrow? Yes, it will, he assured her. With this, she was content. And as she had so much time to think about, <clears throat> and, and as she had so much to think about, she didn't say another word until they reached the hut and saw her grandfather sitting under the fir trees on the seat he had fixed there so that he could watch for the return of his animals. The little girl ran towards him, followed by Daisy and Dusky. And Peter called, Good night, Heidi. Come again tomorrow. She ran back to say goodbye and promised to go with him the next day. Then she put her arms round Snowflake's neck and said, Sleep well, Snowflake. Remember, I'll be coming with you again tomorrow, and you're not to cry any more. Snowflake gave her a trusting look and scampered off after the other goats. Oh, Grandfather, Heidi cried as she ran back to him. It was lovely up there with all the flowers and then the fire and the rosy rocks and see what I've brought you. She shook out the contents of her little apron in front of him, but the poor flowers had all faded and looked like so much hay. She was terribly upset. What's happened to them? They weren't like that when I picked them. They wanted to stay in the sun and didn't like being shut up in your apron, he explained. Then I'll never pick any more, Grandfather. Why does the hawk croak so loudly? You go and jump in the wash tub while I milk the goats, he replied. Then we'll have supper together indoors, and I'll tell you about the hawk. As soon as Heidi was settled on her new high chair, with her grandfather beside her and a mug of milk in front of her, she repeated her question. He's jeering at all the people who live in the villages down below and make trouble for one another. You can imagine, he's saying, if only you would all mind your own business and climb up to the mountain tops as I do, you'd be a lot better off. The old man spoke these words so fiercely that it reminded Heidi of the croaking of the great bird. Why haven't mountains got names, she asked next. But they have, he told her. And if you can describe one to me so that I recognize it, I'll tell you its name. So she told him about the mountain with the twin peaks and described it very well. Her grandfather looked pleased. That's called Falkness, he said. Then she described the one covered with snow, and he told her that its name was Skeskaplana. You enjoyed yourself then, he asked. Oh, yes, she cried, and told him all the wonderful things that happened during the day. The fire in the evening was the best of all. Peter said it wasn't a fire, but he couldn't tell me what it really was. You can, though, Grandfather, can't you? It's the sun's way of saying good night to the mountains, he explained. 
He spreads that beautiful light over them so that they won't forget him until he comes back in the morning. Heidi liked this explanation very much and longed for another day to begin so that she could go up and watch the sun's good night again. But first she had to go to bed, and all night long she slept peacefully on her mattress of hay, dreaming of mountains and flowers and of snowflake bounding happily about in the midst of it all. 